Welcome to the Pacific Point Church Podcast, where we're learning to love and live like Jesus. During this half hour, we're praying that God will direct, encourage, and speak to you. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, you can download the Pacific Point Church app at the App Store or visit us at pacificpointchurch.com give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. We are reading different variations of the Christmas story throughout this, this month, but Jesus entered the story so that you and I could enter the story. Jesus came in flesh and, and, and took flesh and bones so that you and I could see that, that Jesus, who went through all the trials that we went through and walked it out and then went and died on the cross, that we know that we can experience what he experienced. And during Christmas 2021 at Pacific Point, what we have said is this. We want to take this saying, Socrates says this, is it kind or is it true? Is it kind or is it necessary? And take those principles and apply them this year. What does that really look like? Well, last Christmas, or it may have been Thanksgiving, um, Chris cooked our meal. Just so we, we make it clear in the beginning, that's not her, she's not a cook. She's wonderful. It's funny because she knows that. I like to cook. She can cook, but that's not her specialty. She's unbelievable at writing. She's unbelievable at cleaning. She loves to pick up after, after meals and all this stuff. Well, she made this big dinner, and, and she made this gravy. And uh, the gravy was really thin. It was kind of like water. So I, I just said, hey, why don't you throw some flour in there? So she threw a little flour. She's shaking her head. You knew I was going to tell the story, didn't you? Um, thank you. And, and she threw flour in there. And then Jim, my father back there, went to put it on his, his, uh, his potatoes, and it just kind of fell out. The gravy is one piece. And, and on his plate, which was funny for all of us, I'm not so sure it's funny for her, but it, we, we got to laugh at it. And, and we'll probably talk about this Christmas also. But here, here's the principle. Is it true when you talk about something? Yes, that happened. It really did happen. Is it kind to talk about it? Probably not. But it's necessary because we get to laugh. And, and, and what I want us to even look at, you know, we're, we're breaking down these principles biblically, but what, as you go into your Christmas parties and you go to dinner at your family's houses and you have these times, just think about what Socrates say before, said before you say anything. Is what you're saying true? Is it kind? And then ultimately, is it necessary? And if you can answer those questions to be yes, then speak. But don't be someone that is of too many words and kind of talks about gravy that looks like jello. <laughs> so as we're looking at this last week, what we did is we looked at, is it true? And we talked about, is it true who Jesus says he is? Is it true who Jesus says we are? And what that looks like and how that changed when Christ came during Christmas. This week, we're looking at, is it kind? Is it kind? Is it true? Is it kind? See, kindness, I believe, is underrated. We equate kindness with, with just open a door, which that is kind. We equate kindness with a pleasant smile. We equate kindness with uh, uh, just getting along with others and not ruffling the feathers. You know what I mean? It's just this, it's, it's, uh, it's very temporal and, and just not very powerful when we talk about kindness. 
and I think it's changed, because when I look at the gospel and I see the word of God, the Bible presents a very different and compelling portrait of kindness. And, and I didn't really see this instead until I started studying it in context of this message series. The kindness of God and what that really looks like. In fact, the Bible says it's the kindness of God that led to your salvation. It's God's kindness that brought us into this relationship. It's only because of the supernatural power of the kindness of God that you and I have engaged the creator of heaven and earth. He was kind enough to reveal himself to you and I. He was kind enough to allow me to have a relationship with him. Kindness is supernatural. It's a Holy Spirit produced, and it's a life-changing experience. That's what it should be. But in the church, if, if think about this. If you and I were the church, if the church would understand the biblical principle of kindness and what it looks like, we could change the world. We could literally change the world. Because when we walk with God in this supernatural kindness produced by the Holy Spirit, people are changed. We just saw that. The kindness of God leads to salvation. How does that and where does that kindness, where is it experienced through? It's experienced through you and me. First and foremost, be in the hands and feet of Jesus and leads to that relationship with Christ. First of all, kindness is supernatural. It's supernatural. Here's what I want you to do. As you're listening to this, I want you to contextualize it. What do I mean by that? I want you to think about your experiences this week. I want you to remember this, okay? Remember we said enter into the story. What I want you to do is take these principles and then I want you to practice them this week. I want you to walk in them. I want you to walk in another level of kindness. Kindness is not my forte. Not that I'm not kind. I think I'm kind because I do open doors for people. And I, and I do say thank you and some things. But to sit and be empowered by the Holy Spirit to be kind to someone, I started thinking a little differently. Paul lays this out completely for us. And when Paul lays out the, the case of him being a true apostle of Christ in his writings, he details several aspects of a relationship with the Lord. Kindness being central to this relationship that he has with Jesus. And Paul unpacks this for us in his scripture. It says this in 2 Corinthians 6, 2 through 6. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacles in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry, but as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. By great endurance in affliction, hardship, calamities, beatings, imprisonment, riots, labor, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, by kindness, the Holy Spirit, and genuine love. This is Paul's writing. Now, this is the key to what Paul is saying here, though. We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found in our ministry. Stop right there. First of all, Paul says this, you have a ministry. This is not your ministry. This is a part of the ministry. This is not my ministry. This is a part of the ministry that God has called me to. You are not a minister because you sit up here and you yell at people or preach. Kind of funny. 
You're not a minister because you, you have a card that says, Pastor, fill in the blank on it. You're a minister of Christ Jesus when you come into a relationship with Jesus. And Paul here understands this. And he says, we put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. You have a ministry, and the question you have to ask is this. Am I kind, and do people find fault with my ministry? Or am I not kind, and people find fault with my ministry? Look, you got to understand the context of what Paul is going through. He's beaten with rods. He's stoned. He's shipwrecked. A night and day adrift of the sea. He goes through this long litany of things in 2 Corinthians 11. I can't even fill them all because it didn't fit the screen. He is in the middle of difficulties. He's sitting in prison, and he's writing this letter. And he says this, Behold, now is a favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. In the midst of his tragedy, in the midst of what seemed difficult, in the midst of what was, was this hard situation, what we see is this. Paul says, it's a favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Some of us are going through some really difficult things right now. Some of us are wrestling with God. Some of us are going, why am I in the middle of this? Some of us have lost loved ones this year. Some of us have, have pain and, and, and disease and, and difficulties going on right now. And Paul says this in the midst of his most difficult moments. You wouldn't know. He says, behold, now is a favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Paul's kindness was supernatural. Imprisoned. He has this kindness that is going forth. In the midst of your difficulty, God's calling us the supernatural kindness to go forth. So that you and I bring the truth of God's word. God's kindness is a supernaturally generous orientation of our hearts towards other people. Look, notice what we said there. God's kindness, supernaturally, he orients our hearts towards others. Our natural tendency, my natural tendency, is, is not to just be kind as I can be. Not that I'm mean and a jerk all the time, once in a while. But it, our natural tendencies, but God orients our hearts towards other people. Here's the key. Even when they don't deserve it. Even when they don't deserve it and don't love us in return. So easy to be kind to my wife and my good friends and, and my children. So easy to be kind to you guys. What about those that I struggle with? What about those I don't necessarily like? Or those who don't like me? What does it look like? It's this supernatural orientation of the heart when I encounter Jesus that takes place that allows me to be kind in the midst of that. That allows me to be who God has called me to be in the midst of difficulty. You see, true kindness is spirit-produced. It is produced by the Holy Spirit. And there's usually not gaps in here. And I guarantee you, there are no gaps in Rick Warren's PowerPoint today. Yes. It says this. Paul makes it abundantly clear. It isn't him. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. I can make it abundantly clear that it isn't me. This supernatural kindness. 
Oh, yes, I can open doors and I can say thank you and be kind in that way and my own strength. But when God grabs a hold of me and tells me to do something, to be kind to someone, to engage someone, to help someone, to love someone well, when that happens, it's this supernatural Holy Spirit moment that changes me. And that's what God is calling each one of us to enter in the story and do. That's what he's calling us to in this season. Step into that story of Christmas, of Christ, coming to this earth. The greatest and most kind act that I've ever experienced is Jesus being born here and then dying on the cross for my sins. The greatest act of kindness that I could ever receive is the fact that I deserve hell and God gives me eternal life. Kindness. Supernatural kindness. True kindness is spirit produced. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Self-control. Paul is in jail. I, I don't know, has anybody ever done time? Does anybody feel like they're in jail right now in some situation? Paul is in jail, shackled, probably not eating well, probably not sleeping on the postopedic, probably not, you know, having great conversation, although was he? But the fruit of the Spirit is working in him. This is this supernatural feeling, feeling that I'm talking about, that you can be right in the middle of your prison, quote-unquote, and the Holy Spirit, when you have this relationship with God, can come and deliver you out of what seems like the most difficult and hardest situation and allow you to be and walk in the kindness of God. You want to know what happens? It changes lives. It changes lives. My preaching, eh, I don't know. But you walking in the kindness of God in the midst of your difficulties lives are changed because people look at you and they go, how can that be? How can you do that? How are you looking at me with that smile and in helping and making me a dinner and inviting me and helping me out when you're going through all your stuff? Kindness of God. I experienced the kindness of God. Can you imagine that the church had this mindset? See, this, this Holy Spirit that lives in us gives us power. Power to overcome. Power to overcome our disappointments. Power to overcome our fears. Power to overcome the hurt. Power to overcome the unforgiveness. Power to overcome the anger. The, the, the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised that lives in me when I come into relationship with him gives me the power to be kind to others. And why are so many Christians not so kind? I can't tell you how many pastors, ah, I don't want to exaggerate today. So, uh, come on, stay with me, stay with me. Um, uh, pastors that, that, uh, uh, that have churches that I've worked with or that I know that, gosh, we sit up here and we preach and, and, and we give hugs and we pray for you and we talk to you and, you know, come to the hospital and visit and all those things. And then you just, you just open up the, the Colin, you know what I'm talking about here, <laughs> Pastor. You open up the, you know, the curtain and look behind the scenes, and these guys are complete jerks. I've been there. I've been that. 
You, you, you know, you're like, this guy's not kind at all. And there's this disconnect between this church that thinks this guy's a godly man and this guy that's running the staff or whatever back here, and he's just not kind. And you go, what, what the heck? And it puts the fear of God in me. And I'm not always the kind, most kind. I'm not as bad as I say I am, but I'm not always that. Chris, don't laugh. I saw that smirk there. But I, it, 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 there's, there's something that when we don't engage the Holy Spirit on a daily basis and, and cry out for that supernatural power that he brings and that kindness to go forth, I can play the game. So can you. Look, I think you guys are great. When you come here, big hugs, and you guys all... Look, but I know real life. But God's given us His Holy Spirit who empowers us to walk out of this place called church. I don't care that's outside under the... This is church to walk out of here and show the kindness of God. Powerful. What does Paul understand that we don't understand? How is Paul in the most difficult time of his life, yet this powerful ministry is going forth? Philippians 1.13. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard. He's in jail. But it's become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest of my imprisonment is for Christ. Everybody knew that the reason that Paul was in that prison was for Jesus. It doesn't make sense. The Imperial Guards, these are soldiers that are assigned to high-ranking officials to watch over, to make sure they don't get out. Paul's captivity gave him the opportunity to interact with these men on a regular basis. As a result, many of them came to Christ. They became These guards became followers of Jesus. And, and, and the point that Paul is driving home here is this, that whatever prison you're in, God has called you to live life differently than the prison that the world lives in. It looks different. Paul's kindness was about a supernatural Holy Spirit filling and about others. I guarantee you, he couldn't sit in that prison cell and, 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 and do what he was doing without the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul says it specifically. And, and then he says this. So that, has become, so that has, be, has become known throughout the whole imperial guard. That, that blows my mind. Because me, being me, self-preservation, I'd be sitting in the prison going, falsely accused. And some of you are sitting in your prison right now saying, why God me? Why me? And I'd be yelling and screaming and going, I shouldn't be in this place. And some of us are saying, I shouldn't be in this state of life. Paul says, so that it become known throughout the whole imperial guard. He understood that God allows situations in our lives, and we sit in them, not that he ordained them, but by the fallenness of man, we step into situations in life that we don't always like, and they feel like prisons. Paul makes it very clear that the prison that you feel like you're in, God wants to use to preach the gospel to those who don't know him. And he does that through the kindness and the power of the Holy Spirit. What prisons are you sitting in today? Is it a favorable time, the prison that you're sitting in? 
Now, it doesn't mean, and I, we don't see, but it doesn't mean that Paul didn't have his struggles and that he didn't have his moments of doubt and all those things. We don't, I'm not saying that. But are you in such a place that contextually can look and say, this is a favorable time, regardless of what I feel, what I see, what I hear, what I taste. It's a favorable time. Uh, it, it, the prison you're sitting is Jesus, Jesus known throughout the people that you're connecting with in the midst of that prison that you're sitting in? Is he known? Would they know who your Jesus is? Or all, is it all that they hear that you curse Jesus? Is the Holy Spirit working in you in the midst of that prison that you're walking in today? Now, let me clarify. Some of you are like, ah, there's no prison. I'm walking in. I'm great. Everything's good. Praise God. But here's what I know. Here's what I know about life. You're going into it, you're coming out of it, or you're waiting. There, there's no way getting around it. And I, I use that word prison as, as a metaphor for all the things that I talked about. It's not a literal prison for most of us. Hopefully for none of us. I, 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 Mark Blair, you guys all know, or if you don't, he's a, a very good friend that that uh, is battling brain cancer. And he had surgery and uh, crazy, got out of surgery now, you know, and many of you have asked and thank you, and many of you are praying for him, thank you, continue your prayers. He's been going through chemo and, and you know, chemo just kicks your butt, you know? Radiation chemo, radiation chemo, radiation. He's got a week left of the chemo and I'm texting today and he's like, I've never been so sick in my life. And, and but, but, and, and talking about this, this prison that he's sitting in right now. And it's interesting because early on, it's, it, it started off with mad at God, why God kind of things, and we talked through some of those things, and, and, which is natural. We all go to that place. But, but what really sanctification and, and God's grace looks like is that it's not that you have questions and you question what's going on in your life. It's that God brings you through and into those things and, and you walk in his grace in the midst of it. And over time, as I'm talking to Mark, um, I, I'm just watching God do things in his life and watching his, his relationship with the Lord. And then last week, he sends, sends me this text. He says this, Jesus is helping me beat this. My prayers with him have changed so much. I'm not scared of him like I used to be. I believe he covers me. I was so moved by my recent Bible notes I read. This blows my mind. Some of me thinks this disease was good for me to get my relationship I have with Jesus now. He's sitting in his prison and he's sick as can be. And he's not doing what he loves to do. He's getting chemo and radiation and chemo and radiation and his hair's falling out and, and all the things that go with this. And, and, and he goes through these stages of God. And then last week he sends this. And I, I'm just crying. Because of the power of God and the Holy Spirit in this man that is changing him. And, and each one of us, and he's ministering to me. And he's ministering to his wife. And he's ministering to others. And that's exactly what Paul is talking about. That's exactly what he's talking about in your life, in mine. Whatever you're going through, that you're the hands and feet of Jesus. As difficult as it can be and is, 
can preach the gospel and Jesus can be known. How has this happened? There's this tension between be and do. What does that mean? There's this tension between be. I'm, I, am, I am saved by God's grace. There's nothing that, that I can do to get my salvation. But there's this step of do that Paul talks about. There's a step of, there's some things that, that we're called to in this relationship. And Paul's relationship with Jesus and Jesus' promise of the Holy Spirit and the supernatural power was a game changer for him. And it's the same thing that's a game changer for you today. That more Christians that not that should be are not engaging the power of the Holy Spirit to get through each and every day. Paul understood this. The kindness that we're talking about is about prioritizing relationships. Paul prioritized his relationship with the Lord. You want to walk in the kindness of God? You want to walk in a supernatural power that allows you to be kind, that allows you to engage others, that allows you to be true in who God has called you to be? Then it starts with our relationship with the Lord. How? Sound familiar? Word, prayer, and day. Reading God's word. Praying each and every day. Encountering creator of heaven and earth each and every day. Having a, a time with him. And I'm not, I don't, you know, the whole, you got to pray an hour a day. You got to read an hour a day. You got to, I, I don't care. I, you know, no one puts parameters on how I interact with my wife. You got to have a conversation with your wife an hour a day. Thank God. Um, but they, they don't do that. They just, it, that's funny, huh? It, 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 it's not that structures. It's this interaction that happens with her throughout the day because I love her. And there's sometimes I call her and, and I just want to say hi and then I hang up. And there's sometimes we have these deep conversations. And there's sometimes that we wrestle through things. And it's the same thing in my relationship with God and what it should be with each of us in our relationship with God. It's not this, i got to sit at my desk for an hour and read the Bible. I've got to sit at my knees and pray for an hour. I've got it. I've got it. That's not what we're talking about here. Paul understood there was a relational aspect that allowed him to walk in this kindness in the midst of, of being chained in a prison. First is the word of God. Paul was a student of God's word. Paul's study was not simply a matter, of, as we said, of academic, academic curiosity. It was about a relationship. It was an act of worship for Paul to read God's word. It was this depth that came, the depth of the riches, the wisdom, and knowledge of God, Romans 11.33 says. And then he says this in 1 Corinthians, My message of my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit. And of the power so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but the power of God. That your faith would rest on the power of God. That your faith in the midst of that prison, whatever it might be, might be encouraged by the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in you through the word of God. That you might walk in that truth. Paul understood this. Secondly, Paul prayed. Paul mentioned that he had given, he was, we see in 2 Corinthians that he had a thorn in the flesh. We don't know. Theologians don't know what that is. They guess and blah, blah, blah. No one knows what that was. And some of you may feel the same. I have this thorn in my flesh. But, but Paul prayed. In fact, he prayed deliberately and, and, and three times concerning that thorn. In the same way that Jesus prayed three times asking that God, if this cup might pass before me, let it pass. But not your will, my will. Paul prayed three times, we see, of this thorn being removed. 
And God responded to him the same way each time. And his answer was this, my grace is sufficient for you and my power is made perfect in your weakness. Hold on a second. Paul's in prison. Paul's been beaten. Paul's been thrown over a ship. Paul's fallen out of wood. Paul's been through everything. You know, he got shanked, I'm sure. All this stuff. Paul has been through it. And God says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Paul, there's this peace. And he walks in this kindness because he understood this principle. Prayer didn't bring Paul the answer that he might have wanted. Paul understood that God's purpose in this was greater than his own understanding. God may not be bringing you the answer you want in the midst of your prison. God may not be moving the way you think he should be moving. But if God is God, and he's omniscient, all-knowing, omnipotent, all-powerful, and omnipresent, then at some point, I've got to go, God, I don't understand it, I don't like it, but I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to be faithful in the middle of it. You know what faithfulness in the middle of that stuff looks like? It looks like being kind to those you shouldn't be kind to. His jailers. And he's kind to them. And it's blowing their minds. Can you imagine the one that beats you and throws you in shackles? And you go, give me a hug. You just, ah, it's good to see you. Boom, let's beat you again. How do you do that supernatural power of Christ Jesus that lives in us? It's encountering him each day. It's encountering the Holy Spirit through prayer. That allows me to walk in the midst of that stuff. That allows me to be who God has called me to be. That's what Paul understands. Then each day, immediately following Paul's conversion, he withdrew into the wilderness for a time. It says in Galatians, to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. My immediate response was not to consult any human beings. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were, the, uh, were apostles before I was. But I went to Arabia. Later I returned to Damascus. What is he saying here? I had my time with the Lord. I had my encounter with the Lord. And there was no one around. There was no preacher yelling. No preacher telling me. There's no podcast. There was nothing. It was solitude and time with my Lord. And I listened to what he said. And I allowed him to unfold the scriptures. And I allowed the power of the Holy Spirit to go forth. To change me so that if... Someday I ended up in prison with shackles that I'd be able to preach the gospel. And that's exactly what Paul did. You think you're going to be able to preach the gospel in the midst of your prison? Not if you haven't encountered Jesus. Not if you don't encounter Jesus on a regular basis. Not if you don't encounter this word on a regular basis. Not if you don't spend time with him on a regular basis. You'll be like the world that is bitter, that is angry at God. There can't be a God. I couldn't, I, if there was a God, I wouldn't be in this situation. Really? Really? He's your genie in the bottle? Does whatever you think he should do? Then he wouldn't be God. You would be God. Paul clearly understood who God was. You know what happened? Kindness flowed from him. Kindness went forth. People's lives 
got changed. This time that Paul spent, this extended retreat was marked by solitude, which Paul meditated intensely on God's word and spent, spent much time in daily prayer. Much time. It doesn't say an hour. It doesn't say 15 minutes. It says much time. It wasn't arduous. It was because Paul had this relationship with God and he wanted more and he wanted more and he wanted more. Therefore, Colossians 3.12, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, put on kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. It's an, it's, I am asking you and us as a church today to put on kindness. See, Paul literally says this in that scripture. When you look at it, you break it. He says, choose kindness. Put on kindness. In the same way you woke up this morning and put on the shirt that you put on. Put on the shoes that you put on. The same way that you chose what you were going to wear. The same way that you chose which donut you were going to put in your face. The same way you chose which cereal you were going to eat. The same way that you choose and chose what you were going to listen to this morning. Paul says, choose kindness. But he says this in the context of what? That he encountered Jesus. Knowing full well if he hadn't encountered Jesus, the ability to choose kindness would be very difficult. But he had set this life up of prayer each day, of word regularly. And he set his life in such a way that he, he says here in the scripture, now choose kindness because the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit that lives in you will bring it forth. And the beauty of what Paul said is there wasn't a gap between what he said and what he did. We see it as he's in the prisons. We see it lived out. So don't tell me about the prison that you're in. Let me clarify. Please tell me about the prison you're in, and I'll pray with you. But don't tell me about the prison that you're in, that, oh, God, woe is me. Because we see scripturally, we see historically, and I know people in this church today that are going through difficulties that are just like Paul. They choose kindness. They choose kindness. They choose kindness, and it changes lives. I'm asking us during this Christmas season that we enter into the story, that we enter right in the middle of the story, and that we allow the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in us and through this relationship with Christ, and we choose kindness. We choose to be kind in our difficulties. Kindness is life-changing. It was a supernatural kindness that led you to Jesus. It was that supernatural kindness. Or do you presume, Romans 2, 4, on the riches of the kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance, that God's kindness brought you to this place today, that God's kindness is what gives you everlasting life, that God's kindness is what gives you hope, that God's kindness is what gives you peace. It's the kindness of God that brings grace into your life. It's the kindness of God that allows you to get up each morning and do what God has called you to do. Apart from his kindness, it's not possible. You can open a door, you can shake a hand, you can do those type of things, but it's a supernatural kindness that God is calling you and me to walk in. Why? 
others. So it's become known. Why? So it has been become known throughout the whole Imperial Guard. God allowed Paul's imprisonment so that his kindness would be known. Sounds crazy. Sounds crazy. But it's the kindness of God that leads to salvation. See, Christmas is about kindness of God towards you and me and being experienced by others through us. Ephesians 2, 6-7 says this, And raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming age He might show the immeasurable riches of His, uh, His grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. That's my prayer for us this Christmas season. That you would go and be the hands and feet of Jesus. But not just kind, but supernaturally empowered by the Holy Spirit. And the kindness that God has called us to walk in. Totally different than the world's kindness. Totally different. That's what God's called us to this Christmas season. That's what I'm asking us to enter in during this season. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the picture of what it means to be kind and your kindness towards us, Father. Paul's kindness towards these guards, God, that changed their lives. God, whatever we're in and through and doing right now, God, I just pray that the Holy Spirit that lives in us supernaturally empower us to be kind. Oh God, let us look at your word and open up your word daily. God, let us communicate with you and have relationship with you. Lord, that we'd have solitude and time so that we might be the hands and feet of Jesus. Thank you for this this morning. Jesus precious name. Amen. As we stay in this attitude of worship, there's communion cups on the table. You can spread them out and pass them around. And the Bible says this that after Jesus had given thanks, he broke the bread and said, This is my body, which is for you. He said, Do this in remembrance of me. Literally, he said, as you eat this bread, remember Christmas. And then remember my Easter, my crucifixion and resurrection. So remember what I did for you. Remember my kindness. Just with a thankful heart this morning, before you receive the elements, just right where you're at, your eyes closed, just thankfulness for his kindness and who he is. They receive the bread. The same way he also took the cup after supper saying this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. He said, remember that I shed my blood for your sins. 
there's no more condemnation. You can walk in freedom. It's almost like how how do you how are you not kind to others after what I did for you on the cross? Oh God, have mercy on me. God, have mercy. And they took the wine and he drank. Father, I thank you for your son, Jesus, who died for our sins some 2,000 years ago. Oh God, we celebrate this Christmas season, the excitement of trees and presents, but, but the, the true meaning of Christmas is you, Christ, and your birth. God, let us 